0: Episode 6 of Shark Brain. I am your host, Jake Newton. Thank you for joining me. On the show today we've got Justin Glasgow. The producer for the last 2 Jake Newton Records, a great friend of mine, was the best man in my wedding. I met him on tour a few years back and we became fast friends and have continued a relationship since then, both artistically and bro-wise. I don't even think that's a term, but hey, you can coin pretty much anything. Did you know that selfie has made its way into the Oxford Dictionary? We are crumbling the English language bit by bit with our tiny hammers made of cell phones. It's what we're doing. I'm not going to go on too much of a rant. I'm not going to do one of these old man rants. It was better before. I keep doing that. As I get older and older, I'm going to be the worst old guy. Can you imagine me? Just using my big old words and my, my pointy finger and just pointing down at kids. Oh, I can't do it. Can't do it. I got to open up my heart. I got to go out into the world and I got to, I got to, <laughs> I'm to go hug some teenagers. That sounds terrible. I should not do that. I'm definitely not going to leave my house and go hug teenagers. They put people in jail for that sort of a thing. I'm just going to appreciate youth for all its optimism and vigor. That's what I'll do from afar, from a, 500 foot distance. Ah, oh, what did it go on this week? The new iOS is out on my phone. And that really, that really messed me up. I spent the better part of a day trying to load it onto my phone. That first day when it came on, because I'm such a Mac head, I, I, I had to have it. I had to know what was the new thing that was going to fix me. And I'll be perfectly honest. I... I downloaded it finally after the 6th or 7th attempt. Mind you, this is over the span of 3 or 4 hours. I have a finite amount of time on this earth, and 3 or 4 of those hours was spent trying to get a new iOS on my phone. I just want to say that for the record. But, I digress. Got the thing on my phone, and I flipped through it for about a minute and a half, looking at the brand new features, feeling very excited over having a brand new phone, technically. And then, it just sort of dissipated. I like cotton candy in my mouth, that went away. Hmm. Seems as though... Things don't buy you happiness. There it is. I coined it. Market eight, dude. I said it. Things do not buy you happiness. Got a new show to announce. October 6th at Where Else? The Hotel Cafe. I'll be doing a set with the band. 9.30. Come on down if you're in the L.A. area. Ugh. Oh. I've been writing a lot. The winds are kind of blowing in my direction. Got a bit of a muse that's floating through me. Feels good. It's a bit dusty, but it feels good. It's strange. Some people have the ability to get up in the morning and just sit their ass in a chair and blast away for a couple of hours, whether it's good, whether it's bad. They just, in a sort of blue-collar hardened work ethic grinded out and it's incredibly noble and i always wanted to do that i'm always feel like i'm chasing something on the wind i'm waiting for inspiration to strike but let's be honest if if you're mining the areas in your mining it hurts it doesn't feel appealing certainly not to sit down in a chair and excavate old wounds now, I know that not everything about making music or making art or anything has to be absolutely painful. There's some great art out there that is has got levity to it. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I'm working on it. <laughs> a little bit of therapy and uh, a little help from my friends. We're going to get to it. I don't know. What do I know? What do I know? I know that I got Justin Glasgow on the show. As I mentioned before, he produced the last two records that I've done... This guy is a multi-instrumentalist producer, one of the annoying dudes that can just pick up anything, kind of plug his musical brain around it, absorb it for about twenty or thirty seconds, and then he has chords. He just, he just, it's it's phenomenal to watch him work. It's a second skin music, and so I, I've enjoyed immensely my time working with him on a professional level, and I enjoy talking to him. So we're gonna get to that conversation. Before we do, I want to thank you all for writing in. Those of you who have, please. Like the Facebook page, Jake Newton Music. Go over, subscribe to the email list over at jakenewton.com to find out whenever these shark brains come out or any new shows come up. I'm having a blast doing these things, guys, and and your feedback has made it feel all the better. So, without further ado, let's jump on to my friend Justin Glasgow and our conversation about life, liberty, and the pursuit of tone. Who'd you go to Highland with? Myself, just yourself. Just leaving it open to like maybe, you know, meet new people.
1: (laughs) No, when you go to like when you go to a place like that and you're by yourself Mm -hmm. and it's like I feel okay by myself. I like being alone sometimes. But there's like that couple that shows up with like the dog and you've got like the primo spot outside on the patio (laughs) and I'm like listening to a podcast Mm -hmm. or like, you know, whatever, playing a game on my phone Mm -hmm. and like, you know, finishing my coffee. Yeah. Like an adult. Taking your time. And just getting the stink eye. What? Yeah. Oh, dude, it happens all the time. (laughs) It's like like these couples and like they're both just kind of sitting there with their arms crossed. Why is he going to leave? Why does he going to leave? The dogs look sad that they don't have a table yet, <laughs> haven't been seated. I, I just take my sweet time and enjoy it, just relish.
0: <laughs> take that, love. <laughs>
1: yeah. You've got something very special, and I'm going to make you feel terrible.
0: You know what? Why don't you guys just wait for your
1: food in love with each other over there? Enjoy your bench, assholes. <laughs> mm. Unreal. So, so yeah, Justin Glasgow's so in
0: the Shark Brain Laboratories today. It is the first day of fall, is it? yeah dude It's the very oh. first day of fall okay. yeah, apparently, I just found this out today. You can balance an egg on its uh from up to down on uh on the first day of fall on any equinox you can do that because of some circadian rhythm or like the the earth's gravitational pull with the sun something like that, but it's someone cer-
1: cesarean rhythm. it's a
0: cesarean rhythm exactly that's what it is it's it's right. the cesarean scar of the world <laughs> keeps eggs upright. <laughs> In a very weird, kind of Lilith Fair, <laughs> pantheistic way. <laughs> uh, so dude, Justin Glasgow, whom I've known for many years, and uh, who's the best man in my wedding, and also uh, one of my best friends in the world, you. Uh, we met oh, on the Cary Brothers tour in 2008. It was Cary Brothers and Ben Leak, right? Yeah, Yeah. I was that 2008. Yeah, you had a rat tail back then, yeah. I did. Yeah, man. Oh, man. You were living in Nashville, yeah, and you were playing. Uh, you were you were the auxiliary guy. You were doing keys. So you were living. You're living there. Where were you living before then? Where did you grow up?
1: Uh, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. um, just outside of Flint. Actually, Sw- Swartz Creek, Michigan, is where I, I'm technically from. But uh, yeah, I grew up working in music stores and going to school in, in Flint and did a little mm-hmm. bit of college there. And your dad was in music, right? Yeah, my dad's mm-hmm. a gospel singer. Um, yeah, so. We did a lot of summer trips down south to, to Nashville, and, and uh, he would go into the studio and make his records with all these Nashville like, Session guys. Mm-hmm. I remember being like 13 and being in the studio, and um, there was this one drummer, uh, Steve Brewster is his name. He's like he's done a bunch of Christian records and a lot of country records and stuff, and he played on a couple of like, Jewel records mm-hmm. and things like that. And he, like, plopped me up on top of his road case and, like, put headphones on me. And I sat, like, right next to him and watched him, like, for, like, six hours, like, just play drums all day. And I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to be in Nashville. I don't want to do that thing. So it was cool to, like, get to see that, you know, from an early age. And, and, uh, and yeah, my folks were super supportive with, with the whole music thing. Um, and I worked in a music store, you know, from the time I was 16, like, mm-hmm. the moment I could drive. Yeah, Uh, my dad's buddy owned a music store, and and so he was like, "Hey, do you think would you it would be okay if Justin came and worked for me?" So I never did like extracurricular activities in high school. (laughs) It was literally like the like I would sneak out of school early just so I could get to the music store, Mm -hmm. you know, and like start working. Yeah, but you you wouldn't do
0: band or anything like that. They wouldn't try to grab you for that. No, no.
1: My band teacher, I I was in jazz band, Mm -hmm. and the band teacher, um, I remember this. My senior year was like. The drum line sucked. Like, the, the, the music program was – was uh, the drum line, it didn't suck. Somebody's going to hear this, and I'm going to sound like an asshole. <laughs> um, but it was just – it just wasn't my thing, yeah. you know? Like, I wasn't super tight with, with a lot of those guys. Nice dudes, like, you know, nice people. But the jazz band guys were, like, my best friends. And yeah. I was really close with the, with the band t- Like, John Michaelo is my, my band instructor, and he's the reason I went to Berkeley. And, like, he was, he was really kind of influential when I was young. And uh, we still talk and stuff. It's cool, but um, yeah, it just wasn't it just wasn't my thing. And I would rather be like dealing with gear and mm. figuring out things about instruments and working with musicians that would come in that were like my my clients basically that yeah. would come into my shop. And I was 18 years old and had this drum shop and was in, in charge of the whole thing. You know, it was kind of a neat thing for a kid. And uh, and yeah, it was just never my 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 speed. And and so the band teacher he was like, "Well, next year, your senior year, like, look, you can't." you can't be in jazz band if if you don't do marching band and i was like all right see you later mm-hmm. And it was like it lasted a couple of days. Like I walked out of the band room. Uh-huh. I was like, huh? but yeah, there was definitely like an ultimatum, and I just I just kind of called his bluff on it. Yeah, you know, and, and, then, he, like, and
0: then he caved and he said, okay. I yeah. I only got one guy for my jazz. Yeah. Want, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's a it's a neat thing. I think there's like a picture of me in the middle school band room, like on the wall. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. It's, it's, I've been told it's really strange.
0: Mm-hmm. And you got out of there. You went you went directly to to Berkeley, right?
1: I went to Berkeley for. Uh, two and a half years yeah
0: two and was, a half years yeah it was good yeah that is about how long I went to college yeah I think I, think I did one and a half yeah, yeah. about that about that long that's yeah. all I could really go I'm, through
1: i'm a I did some college before i before I went out there it was a great it was a it's a great school and I had a really good time mm-hmm. you know um but it's not for everybody you know yeah. um it doesn't make or ma- it doesn't give you give you like a hall pass
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me
0: no, I think it's weird with, when you get into higher education, especially when it comes to art or creating art yeah. or doing something that, that is incredibly difficult to break into. There's everybody wants to try to find a way to teach you to do that. What they inevitably teach you to do is to teach other people, to teach other people, right. to teach other people, to teach other people. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I take the
1: good with the bad with all those.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't teach talent, you can't teach drive, you can't teach ingenuity, right? Right. Yeah. know, I mean, you can you can get them. Yeah, to, get yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, there's I had a lot of great teachers and a lot of folks that I'm still in touch with. Um, but I don't work with any of the folks that I was in college with, you yeah. know, there's, there's great people that like, you know, like one buddy plays for, played for Kanye West for a long time. Mm-hmm. And another person I was in school with, like, I mean, Laura Jansen yeah. and, uh, and uh, yeah. And Annie Clark and, and, um, freaking Elizabeth Zeman, Elizabeth and the Catapult. Like they were all there at the same time. Like there was a bunch of folks that are like, now doing stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like I mean like over the last like six or seven years, like their careers have kind of really grown into something great. And uh, you know, it just takes time. And so what what that says to me is like, yeah, it prepares you in some ways, but like this the time that you spend away from that and just digging in and finding out what works for you in whatever scene where you fit in, you know, that's the education. As long as you're you're paying attention to what's going on. You know, like I just don't I just don't think that I I know a lot of musicians and most of the people that I work with like either didn't finish school or didn't go to college for music or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're just driven to it. You know, yeah. like I, I literally wake up in the morning and go, wow, some days my job sucks, but like, I'm really glad that I get to do this. eh? and I can't, i would be rubbish in anything else yeah, you know? i understand that it's like yeah i mean i sold cell phones in college Dude, i want you to know? talk about that just, yeah we'll, we'll have to circle know, like, back around to that i was pretty good at that you were that's pretty not, you're I pretty incredible i don't want to be 65 that's like true. working for sprint pcs wearing a
0: wearing a palm pilot on your yeah. belt with a yeah. loop on it yeah, yeah definitely you got to go into clip. this because like, i've heard this story before but you had a racket when you were selling <laughs> cell phones and you you had a whole thing you weren't just kind of it wasn't a casual job to you you were kind of like doing like a, it was a side business but you acting like a tony montana it was a of great, cell phones
1: yeah it was it was i worked at a mars music i don't know if anybody remembers those mm-hmm. um in boston when i first got out there and uh, they were
0: eaten up by the guitar centers right
1: yeah basically it was a poor business plan but uh so i quit that job and um and a buddy of mine hooked me up with uh with a job at sprint mm-hmm. so i would go into all the um uh, circuit cities and best buys and uh, some radio shacks and stuff like that. And I would be like the representative from, from the company and you know, my tie mm-hmm. and my like, you know, whatever express or like banana Republic, <laughs> you know, just all like French connection. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was looking good for mm-hmm. um, spiky hair <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, we'd, like, go in and, like, make friends with all these people that worked at these things. Because was, it was commission thing, so whatever. Yeah. So I would, like, bring donuts in, you mm-hmm. know, for these people if it was a morning shift. Or, like, we had, I'd take a lunch break with some of the guys and, like, buy them a couple rounds of beers. And, you know, get them a little saucy at lunch. Whatever. Like, it was just, I was, like, the guy that they wanted to, to have around. You yeah. Know? And so for the days, I was only working, like, two and a half days a week, I think. Like, mm-hmm. half a day on Sunday. Friday, Saturday. In these malls. And, uh, which is, I think, why I hate malls to this day but anyways i would go in and they would hand me this piece of paper and it was all the serial numbers like we know that some people came back after they talked to you so you should count some of these and then these other ones i don't know if they talked to you or not but like just take all these it was totally a racket yeah. And I figured out like I would go to the next store and like be like, "Hey guys, here's some donuts." Yeah, be the buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, be the
0: know? guy that they remember and then yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, so you're getting you're getting basically people working under you right. grabbing serial numbers cuz right. they're not they're not making connections. They don't care. They don't yeah. care, so they're just grabbing you and doing that. that was, totally. That's amazing. But you made you made buku bucks on that. Like,
1: I did okay. It was all right
0: comparatively, comparatively to what you were, to Yeah.
1: Comparatively like a college job. It was a great college job. Yeah. 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 It was uh well, Let's
0: go back a little bit. You were you were in school for two and a half years, uh, and you went to school specifically. What was your focus at Berkeley?
1: Um, I, well, I went into because I, you know, wanted to be a session drummer. So yeah, it was, it was really. So the, you really didn't have focused. any. You didn't
0: have any ideations about being like a, pro, a professional uh, producer. No, no. Uh,
1: well, yeah, I mean, I always liked the studio. There was a studio. <clears throat> excuse me there was a studio attached to the music store when i where i was growing up and mm-hmm. a couple of my friends had like Roland VS880s and we would have two of them and we'd mm-hmm. chain them together so it's yeah. 16 tracks of digital you know that whole thing we'd like set up in my i had a i had a drum room like a band like a jam room in my in my house growing up in the basement that my my parents were sweet enough to to put in to suffer through unfortunately it was right underneath my sister's bedroom Oh, perfect <laughs> it's a design flaw perfect <laughs> she loved it uh, <laughs> but but you know, like so, I kind of grew up around around a lot of that, and like going to Nashville and seeing these great Shannon Forrest and Otis Forrest and a lot of those dudes in Nashville. Like going down and you know meeting them uh, on my dad's sessions when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff was 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 really cool. But I never really I I thought like you know it'd be great to just play on records. You know, yeah. When I left Berkeley, I had to do this kind of like you like pick a person that you like really admire what they do and then you have to contact them and then you have to try to do an interview with them and, okay and so my dad was in nashville i was in boston my dad was in nashville and um this drummer steve Brewster, who like i said played on all these records mm-hmm. great my dad was on the session was talking to this guitar player on the session he's like oh yeah steve's a buddy man like here's his number like just call him up he's he's like the sweetest dude in the world like and it's been i mean at this point it had been like seven or eight years i guess mm-hmm. since i was 13 i guess i was like yeah. So it was like it was like eight years since I had met him, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just a kid, you know, pudgy, pudgy little guy. Mm-hmm. Um and uh so my dad get yeah, like he's like, Okay, here's Steve Rooster's number, like just call him up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, called him and left him a voicemail and he called me back and I missed it. And I remember I was like when he first called me back and I got it, I was at a Best Buy working. Wow. And did this and we like set it up, we talked on the phone for a little while. He's like, Yeah, I'm really excited about this, man. I totally remember you from that session, blah 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 and uh years ago and um and he's like so cool that you're doing the thing so i had an i had a mini disc recorder and that dude sat on the phone with me for three and a half hours wow telling me stories about being a session guy in nashville telling me stories about like him growing up going to music school and you know what moving to nashville was like for him and kind of the steps that he took and like telling me about people that have come before him that have like really screwed up and like ended their career for whatever thing or mm-hmm. drugs or just being an asshole. Yeah. And, and it was just, it was like, it was amazing to me. Like he was so sweet to like sit there and I literally transcribed. I don't think I, ha- I don't even think I have like the recording of it anymore, but I trans, I had to transcribe it for this paper and it was just like, just gold, wow. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think like I, i going to school. I wanted to play the drums and, but I also wanted to finish as quickly as possible and get out of there. Yeah. And so there's a program called professional music. Basically, it's like a design your own music school experience. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I did that and I, I put a bunch of production courses in it and I was playing keyboards and a couple of ensembles. And so I was able to get credit as like a non-instrumentalist for like all these other things because my instrument was drums. And I got out and I, I, uh, I'm six credits, I think, like. It's, like, art history, too, and, like, underwater basket weaving. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, those like, are the things. And yeah. you're just going to
0: hold them on, like, yeah. just not quite finish them yet. Yeah. I'm going to wait for them to give me a degree. Oh, you ha- yeah. An honorary one. Yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. have to do that. So, <laughs> so why would you leave specifically? You left for a tour, right?
1: Um, I was doing some touring, but I, really it was just a timing thing. Like, me and my best buddy uh-huh. in college, um, uh, Tim... He was finishing, we were finishing all, we finished all of our core music classes. We, mm-hmm. we didn't need to be there and spending all this money. to take in, all, like, Boston. Yeah, in Boston. In yeah. Boston. Just like, just Boston. Like, it's a great town to visit. Like, I would I would not want to live there again. It was just time. Like, yeah. I had done five semesters straight and I didn't go home over summer or anything. And, and uh, I was like, okay, let's get this, let's get this thing rolling. You yeah. know, I've been waiting, I'm waiting around to like. Waiting long enough, get yeah. Get started. And then I go to Nashville and I like work terrible jobs uh-huh. and like join a rock band and like living the dream and what it was ends, the rock band It was called westover oh
0: yeah that's with uh brian elmquist from the lone bellow now. yeah huh? yeah. yeah so those
1: yeah. were those were good times i just yeah. saw it just saw brian played at the palladium the other night and yeah, uh, opened up for dwight yokum yeah yeah we so every time it's just like it just goes back to yeah. you know that That season. That early 2000s. Yeah.
0: In the thick of it. Yeah. And we were all dressing like Tyler Durden.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. There's a video on YouTube that I I saw that, like, what am I wearing? (laughs) Like, I don't ever even remember owning a wife beater.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But yet I purchased (laughs) it apparently.
1: At some point, and I decided (laughs) that that's the thing I was going to wear to my gig.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm wearing a wife beater. I've made this decision. Come revel in it with me
1: this, this is what adulthood looks like oh man Jeez. dude yeah
0: so then you worked a series of, of crappy jobs yeah Be, doing hope you know hosting i think yeah. it was yeah yeah i, I did thing. some
1: serving and some hosting i i worked this the first job in nashville was uh i worked for um a drum cartage company mm-hmm. so we would go it was a graveyard shift and like all the big session guys mm-hmm. in nashville like we would go and set up their drums and tune their drums and and you know that turned in some some other things that with like you know i i went to europe with the drummer from dream theater like like teching for him and and uh was drum teching for some different people around town and i really love that i love the technical side of you know the instrument and and getting sounds and recording drums and all that stuff like but i definitely like that was a cool thing because as much as the job sucked working from like 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. like graveyard like on Mm -hmm. every night of the week driving this truck around with this other dude and it was just like it was it was terrible but it was what was really cool is i saw all of these amazing drummers and all this amazing gear and i got to work with all this stuff and these guys were really cool most Mm -hmm. of them there was a couple of real assholes but you know it was it was cool because i like after like six months of doing that job and i finally was able to quit um and I saw I saw a posting, there was like a poster at Fork's Drum Closet and it was like, Drum you know, Drum Paradise is hiring. I just called the thing, met the dude, and he's like, Oh, you're hired and I was like, Oh thank God, I don't have to sell any more gear. <laughs> oh yeah. And but that was that was the, the, the thing I was like, This is boring. Yeah. Like watching these dudes they crush it. They mm-hmm. totally kill. But they play the same stuff every day. They're mm-hmm. just recycling the same ideas and doing country demo sessions and doing, you know, all this stuff. And it's a great way to make a living for sure. If you but can, they're grinding if you it, it out, right? Yeah, you are grinding it out, and it's and like for me, I just like I was like, ah, oh, I need to like, I don't know, I just I'm way too ADD to like. Mm-hmm. I need to be interested, you know. Yeah, I need stuff to like keep me, in tr- like going and mm-hmm. interested, or it's just like not really worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense?
0: No, totally. No, absolutely. I mean, so. and and of course, I mean, being being the best of the best if you become really good at what you're doing, you become known for a certain thing that you mm-hmm. do. And then you have to do that thing because totally. that's what they hire you for. You totally. Know? Nobody's gonna be hiring Jason McGur for Paul Simon's Graceland type stuff. Oh, I, mean, I he, wish they would. I wish they would too. <laughs> I wish they'd hire him for everything. <laughs> you know? They're gonna hire him for that death cabbie kind of a thing. You yeah. know? But you did that and you're starting to feel like, oh, this might not be what I wanna yeah. do just specifically.
1: Yeah, it was it was nice. It was like eye opening. I didn't waste any more time. Yeah. What would have been it, you know, wasted time going like I'm just really gonna try to dig into the session thing. Mm-hmm. Um, be that cat. Yeah to be Paul Lyme. Mm-hmm. Gross. Rolling with your stick back. So he's so, I mean there's they're all amazing players, but just that, that idea for me is just like I don't know, and I play like I'm a as a as a musician, like I really love playing bass and I really love playing keyboards and I love working and programming and doing all that. So it was like okay, the producer thing makes more sense. So I started buying gear. My and my best my best friend from growing up had moved to Nashville. He went to full sale, Eric Tebow. Um, so we all moved to Nashville together, and he had like a he had a Pro Tools rig, he had mm-hmm. a double O two, and um, and like he bought some gear and a couple of mics, and so we had a studio set up in our house, and like and it was really that's really kind of when I caught the bug, you know, um, and I ended up working at a, a venue in Nashville called Rocket Town. I was doing monitors there for a couple of years loved that job it was just like the best like yeah yeah death cabs coming in today and i'm running monitors for them awesome you know what i mean awesome. like it was a really good good gig it was 23 or 24 or something mm-hmm. and i was playing in that band westover with brian and john and those guys um and yeah I, I think i think like doing between doing that and recording my band or like doing demos and i really caught the bug you know mm-hmm. i was like okay that makes a lot of sense for me i really want to get on the road and tour and like do that whole thing or like give this band thing a shot and see what happens with that. But like, like musically, like for the long run, like I'd really, I think being a producer is really cool. So literally made, I made one really early on. I can't remember which, which project it was, but I have been working with my friend Donnie Batwell out of his studio. He was like the first guy to like hire me as a musician. And I've been working out of his place and, and, uh, and I would bring in projects and we would record there. And then I had a little small, like laptop rig at home and, do overdubs at home and it was like after that i finished that first record uh for this this christian artist and it was terrible i mean it was the oh it was just it was like it was like it was like evanescence light i mean it was bad but but it was like the first thing that i had done as a producer you know it was like the first opportunity the first time somebody was like for whatever reason they were like hey guy who's never done anything before like You're kind of schmoozy, and we trust you. You know, like whatever. Um, And you're
0: just tap dancing, going like, "Yeah, I could do it. Yeah, Yeah, totally. We
1: can totally make this up now. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I'll work it out. No worries. Promise. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, under promise, over deliver kind Uh of situation. Yeah, exactly. Still kind of the deal. But, but it was it was cool because, um, you know, like the experience, like working with Donnie, who had already produced a bunch of records. He was he was six or seven years older than me. And he had the studio space, and he had been doing it. He had worked in studios in Houston, Texas for a long time. And so, like, I learned a lot by working with him. I didn't make any money because, like, all the money in the budget was going to the guy who had the studio. But I learned a lot, like, working with him, so it was totally great. I think I walked away doing a 10-song or 8-song record or something. I think I walked away after all was said and done with $500. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great, but I was like, man, I I just got paid to record a band and produce a band and you know in a situation where like musically my opinion was part of shaping this terrible thing (laughs) (laughs) and uh you were partially responsible i'm partially responsible but at the same time it was it was that was the moment in which i was like people asked started asking me like oh oh what what do you do nice Uh to meet you what do you do and I would say oh, I'm a I'm a producer.
0: Yeah, you no longer have aspirations to be a producer. Yeah. you got paid yeah. to be a producer. I got
1: paid. I yeah, re- I recorded people in exchange for money. For money. Yeah. So there
0: it is. Put that on the resume.
1: So that's that's kind of where it all where where all that stuff started for me, which mm-hmm. is great.
0: And then you continued to move on with that. Just everything, just you know, one thing leading to the other, leading to the other, leading to the other.
1: Yeah, and I was touring. I did. I ended up touring for a long time, and so I would, you know, tour, you know, better part of over over half the year, and then be home for 3 or 4 months and I would find mm-hmm. projects. Banned. And what were the guys you were touring with? Um I played with a Christian artist named Jeremy Camp. Uh-huh. Um uh for a few years played keyboards for him and that was really my first tour ever. I mean, it was like, hey, we can't we like we don't really have it in the budget to take you with us. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's on a bus and we're opening for this big band and we're playing arenas. And so I like go and like audition like day before tour starts, <laughs> you know, go to uh, soundcheck in Nashville. It's a big facility, and like go and like you know piece together a keyboard rig. Yeah, and was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is this is the one. This is the gig. I'm like totally gonna nail this. And I think I had like three days to learn the tunes or something. Wow. And then they were they were like doing a rehearsal day, and then going on tour, leaving like this was like Saturday, and they were leaving on Monday, and so. I played like four or five songs and we hung out at rehearsal and and the band like met in the corner of this huge room and I'm just like (laughs) twiddling my thumbs on stage and they come back and they're like, all right, man, let's do this. Let's, let's go on the road. And Jeremy wasn't even there. Like he was, he was like still in Indiana with his, his family. And and so I didn't even meet him until like the day of the first show, you know? Wow. And so I went back home and put, I don't know how I BS my way into that situation. It was great though. Mm -hmm. Um, but i went and like put all my stuff in storage and like had a buddy who like sublet my apartment for a few months and like went on the road you know yeah. and was gone it was gone for a while i can't even remember how long that first run was but it was like amazing experience like the for your first like actual gig is like in a bus you know yeah. like there's two there's all, like six buses on this tour or something it was something crazy it was with mercy me it was the other band nice mm-hmm. dudes
0: But you're playing arenas. Yeah. It was huge places. Yeah.
1: It was was, was the craziest thing. Mm -hmm. On keyboards. Like, Mm -hmm. I had a weird, like, Kurzweil PC-88 and a lot, like... And a laptop running Reason, oh, and that was oh. my that was my rig. I remember I think I brought out like a giant rack that was on casters, mm-hmm. and it literally had a Behringer mixer, le- just like that. Uh-huh. It was the old school one. I still got it, and I had rack ears on it. And there was that in like an like a, a like a Motu audio interface. Yeah, in this like sixteen space like shock mounted <laughs> rack, it was like sixty seven dollars worth of gear mm-hmm. in this giant rack. And the reason I brought it out was like i need to look legit so i like stencil my name on this rack and bring this thing and like when the when the crew guys from the the other band like opened that rack up like the first day of tour like you've got to be kidding me really (laughs) (laughs) really guy yeah (laughs) this is what we're doing plenty of room for souvenirs man this is what we're doing That, that that happened yeah it was pretty good
0: absolutely so coming back from that it must have been weird to go from there back into real life and then try to like do van tours and that whole other thing, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't really do, I didn't really go back to doing van tours until, um, until, uh, until I, until I started working with folks out here. Um, I did, I did that. And then I, I played with Cayman's call for a little while. Another cool band from Texas that a bunch of buddies of mine, they did the, they were in the Christian thing. Um, Uh, And then Beba Norman and like a bunch of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that was my gig, you know, Nashville. Like I was in this whole like, okay, this is what this guy does. Mm -hmm. He's like Christian music, Mm -hmm. you know, keyboard player, whatever, bass player guy. So, but the Matt Carney thing was, I ended up getting a call to play with Matt and that was really the first time. I had done like a pop gig, yeah. you know, and that like was right touring. before his big. Hit. It was it was right it was right in the middle of that. It was like okay. a VH1 tour, and like VH1 mm-hmm. was playing his song like crazy, and we were doing like late night, you know, doing TV stuff, and and uh, I uh, yeah I did that, and I, I kind of was in a weird place, like creatively in Nashville, and I had a studio with another dude, and and I was just bored again, you know, mm-hmm. and like bunch of like Christian records, and and it was I mean it was fun, it was a lot of work but like i was like man i really i really need to do something that i would want to listen to you know yeah. what i mean like I, like something i want to put on in my car like that's yeah. the kind of music i want to make and i i knew about this hotel cafe thing in in los angeles and knew about the garden state soundtrack and knew yeah. about like a lot of these singer songwriters that were really happening in uh, in la and like really coming up and and a lot of these producers who were making these records mm-hmm. you know? And so it was like, it was like, man, you know, it would be really cool to do that. But I just like, how does that work? Like, how do I, do I start over in a new town? It's so expensive to live out there, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing with Matt Carney and um, I'm fully segwaying into this, you know, uh, it's perfect. this other thing. Great radio. And, <laughs> and I'm playing with him in Chicago um, and I'm standing outside uh, the metro in Chicago. We just played a show. We did two nights in Chicago and this dude walks up to me. I'm just standing there. And he says, Hey man, you know, I was like, we were t- we started talking. He was like, Yeah, hey, I really enjoyed your enjoyed your gig. You know, my my name's Eric. And I was like, Oh, cool. Nice to meet you. He's like, I'm on tour with this girl, Jesse Balin. You know, we're I've saw I've seen that we're like, we're in the bunch of the same cities and we kinda just missing each other. So I was able we had a night off and I caught your show. It's really cool. I live in LA. I'm 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 a producer and engineer. And I'm like, quotes, I'm like, he's producer oh, yeah. and engineer in LA. Yeah, you know? and, in the like, corner
0: of his bedroom, he's got a yeah, couple of like, I like monitors. I was like, I, was
1: like, I was like such a dick. And and we but we got we he was like like I'm ha- meeting some buddies like let's go hang out like you know we went and played pool at this bar like Rocket something I can't remember mm-hmm. we started talking about gear and he started talking about some records that he had worked on and not in like a name droppy yeah. kind of mine's bigger than weird. yours yeah. yeah but in just like a like oh that's totally cool like similar experiences mm-hmm. similar background get to know you kind of I was like oh yeah this guy's great like he's really legit like, mm-hmm. this is awesome like n- nice to know another dude and in los angeles you know for when i'm out there i knew like two people out here we were in we were in nash we were in i'm sorry new york like two nights later with matt and i get a call from eric and um he you know he basically was like hey i'm in town like and he's got a bunch of friends in new york like he's like he knows a ton of people out there he spent a lot of time there and uh and so he's like i'm in town like we've got a night off i think you guys have a night off like let's go out and hang and so we do the hang there, and it was great. You know, it's like buddies. Oh, this is so totally cool. Like, really good to like know a guy and like mm-hmm. a nice dude that, that is really doing great music and working working in LA. And he start, like I started getting calls. Or he started calling me, and it was, it was the strangest thing. Like, for like pop gigs for like yeah. Elliot Yamin, mm-hmm. and and the first thing like all these calls kept coming. In and the first thing that I was able to that I that I could do, he called me up and he said, "Look." I don't really go on tour very often, but if there was one tour that I wish I could do, it's this guy, Carrie brothers. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't do it. Marshall Altman, he and Marshall were working on a record. He couldn't go out and do it. And he's like, but you're going to love this dude. He's, he's amazing. He's great. So, so I signed on, had one phone conversation with Carrie. Um, and, uh, like he was in Japan, I think leading up to the tour, we were open for opening for Matt Nathanson for a while. And it was right when Matt's uh, Come On, Get Hired was, was kind of blowing up. And, like, I didn't meet Carrie until the first day of the first show. Like, I drove from Nashville mm-hmm. to Columbus, Ohio and learned all these tunes. Had all this gear in my car because, like, something happened where my license was suspended so I couldn't rent a car. <laughs> like, I went to the airport to rent the car for the for the tour and I was mm-hmm. going to drive it up from Nashville and uh, and meet the guys. And I had to drive my truck and, like, park it at the Holiday Inn in Columbus for, like, you know three weeks during oh, that. like I, I paid the lady behind the desk like a 100 bucks or something wow. to like watch my truck and uh you know, it was just ridiculous mm-hmm. and yeah it was like the first day i ever met i met carrie was was like right then and jason kanakis the two of them never met these dudes and i don't know what it was like i was dating someone who was friends with carrie and he was she was like carrie just like you know like just be just be ni- he's a really nice guy you know just <laughs> just don't like, be too hard yeah on him. don't be don't, don't be too hard on him we 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 get through we do a 30 minute sound check and that was rehearsal yeah. you know everything feels really good and carrie sounds great he's he's such a great singer we after the sound check he goes back and he's like let's get a drink he's like what do you have i was like jack and coke he's like we're gonna be fine <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool and carrie and i just became friends and i started coming out here around that time because i would come out i think you were actually living on carrie's couch around this time as well yep um but i would come out for like we would do tours or shows or something and i would come out early and stay for uh like five or six days at a time yeah you know and like it was it was crazy because like i ended up auditioning for like some different people just because i happened to be in town and like eric robinson calls and he's like hey you know so and so is looking for a bass player and like you should totally do this thing and so I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, I don't have a base. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm borrowing Jason Kanaka's base. I'm living on Carrie's couch for a few days. And it was just like that stuff is happening out here. And it was all great, like really good music stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd loved, you know, with, yeah. pe- with people that I loved. So at that point, the move kind of became really clear, um, that I could, I could come out here and I can make a living and I could, I could do this. And I had put it, you know, um, I had done, and we did that tour together mm-hmm. and, uh, um, our bromance began. Yes, it did. You could say.
0: Yeah, lots of days off watching uh, <laughs> watching terrible Ben Affleck movies.
1: Yeah, always, yeah, mm-hmm. getting a rom com on. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, like like meeting great people, and it was just such a cool experience, like being out on the road and 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 being in LA, and like seeing like okay, this isn't like this. I'm not I'm not seeing the LA that people in Nashville hate. Like yeah, they just talk. About all there's there's, there's a lot of animosity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's like this. No, we don't. We don't go to the Rainbow Room every other Thursday. Uh Like it just doesn't happen. You know, that's not the vibe. Um, So I don't know. Like it was. It was great. And you and I became buds, and that was great. And and touring with Carrie was great. And like the whole thing was awesome. And so, and I went back to Nashville, and I'm like, oh, this sucks. You know. (laughs) But but this is where my work is. This is where I'm still working. And you know, you can't you can't be mad at that. And it wasn't Nashville that sucked. It was just kind of the place where I was kind of stuck. I yeah. felt stuck there, and um, and uh, so you called me, and mm-hmm. I had kind of put the whole like idea of moving to LA like on the back burner. I was like, you know, it was it's 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 a cool idea. It's just like it just doesn't make any sense right now because I've got work in Nashville and I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you called me and was like, hey, we I found this house. There's a studio in the backyard. Um. There's a one bedroom apartment downstairs. There's a two bedroom house upstairs, which is where we're at, city right now. Yeah. And like, do you want, do you, want, are you interested in moving to LA? And it was like, I literally had 24 hours. Yeah. To like, I had, like, I had hardly any time figure, to figure it. Yeah. You had to, you had to jump on this deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? And I talked to my roommate, Jay, who's a, a great engineer and was a touring musician for a long time. And he, uh, he and I lived together for four years. And, and he was like, if you're going to do it, like, do it now. Mm-hmm. you know you're 20 you're 27 or something he's like if you're gonna do it do it now he's like he's you know he was 35 and he was like you know he's like i wish i had done i wish i'd gotten off the road earlier i wish i had like made these decisions when i had opportunities to make yeah. them so so i was like well i'll try it for a year and mm-hmm. see if i see if i can you know stick it out and i can always move back to nashville with my tail between my legs and like yeah. pick pick up where i left off and you ha- kept have stuff back there didn't you yeah I had yeah. gear in nashville yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, had, had stuff like I was touring with Jesse Balin, which was another Eric Robinson call, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, met with Jesse and, and, uh, the Murray brothers, John and Scott got them on board and it was, it was really fun. I was paying rent in LA, but I was on tour. Yeah. And so I, I had paid, I think I paid two or three months of rent in this place uh-huh. before I ever even saw the apartment. Yeah. Before I even got here. I remember that. Yeah. It's like, it the weirdest, weirdest time. And, uh, yeah, drove out here with, with all those dudes in a giant, giant truck, Um, that was really just full of gear. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have any life people stuff.
0: I remember when you unloaded all your stuff, it was pretty much just a bunch of gear and then two beat-up boxes of clothes. Yeah. It was clothes and gear, and that's <laughs> it. And you had one couch, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're going to put that downstairs? like, no, it's going in the studio. Yeah. So even your couch was technically you know, gear, gear because the <laughs> clients have to sit somewhere.
2: Right,
1: right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it was crazy. I had a, moving into that space back there. And we made some cool prop. We made some really cool music. It's great I, records I loved, in that studio. Yeah, it was like f- three years that we, we worked in there mm-hmm. and in that little space. And like, it's, it was a really fun time. So 5
0: years on living in LA. Yeah. You're in the whole thing. Like you've you've lived in Boston, you've spent a lot of time in New York, you know, touring as much as you toured. You pretty much uh got a sense of virtually every major metropolitan area and what the music scene is like there for the most part, mm-hmm. for all
1: intents and purposes. Yeah.
0: Would you say that uh, LA probably fits your needs the most or just is the best
1: place to create? Absolutely. Yeah. No question. I mm-hmm. mean That's, that's a, I've had this conversation a few times recently. I mean, there's certain, you you take the good with the bad anywhere you're at and, and you know, you can complain about the traffic all day long. Like, I don't know, man, I I wake up and I look outside and it's gorgeous, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the weather's amazing. And then you're like upset at those three days it rains a year and Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't know. It's a good, it's a really, really good life. And I love my people. My, my LA family is just like, like nothing else. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's got everyone else's back and just everybody's so supportive and you know, yourself included, like, like, you know, it's just, it's really the closest thing that I've had to a family outside of my own. Yeah. And the space is great. Like I, I have, I have a big recording space now and about to transition into another one. And it's like, you know, it's, it's just really, I don't know, it's really inspiring. I think the biggest thing for me is that, you know, it's expensive and it's fast paced and everything's, a lot of that stuff is not necessarily ideal, but mm. the good thing about it is that it, it forces people to, uh, continue to have a certain sense of drive. Yeah. Um, necessity, like I just out of necessity, like if I don't make great art I'm not going to eat, Yeah, you know, like if I don't make this record that I'm working on right now, whatever that might be, the best record it can possibly be, mm-hmm. then no one talks about this record. My reputation goes nowhere mm-hmm. and I have to get a job, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and I haven't had a job. Yeah. I, think, I think part of 2005, I had a job.
0: It's nine years, dude. Yeah. It's not, it's kind of like coming up on a decade of, well, coming up on nine years on not having having being a musician a professional musician yeah how (laughs) slim that pie chart is how tiny that is of the people who play music and the weekend warriors um you know
1: super thankful
0: well not that it's not that it became you know you lucked out or anything you definitely busted your ass to do it but i
1: think there's a there's a part of it that's luck yeah there's there's listen like i'm i'm i have no delusions of like you know, there's no formula, you know, there's no, there's no, it's just BS. Like people tell you, like, you got to go to Berkeley to be a musician. you got to go to USC or UC, whatever. Any one of these great music schools, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, like, like get over it, like hang out, but you have to, there's a, there's a certain element of luck, right? Like mm-hmm. be at the right place at the right time. Like, like me randomly, like meeting Eric Robinson yeah. and him being a nice dude and him doing all this stuff carved a path for me in a way me you know meeting certain people in nashville um when i first moved to town like carved a path i mean the jeremy camp gig came because i was playing the keyboard player at the church uh that i was going to was sick and i usually played drums there and the music guy was like hey you know my buddy drew was like hey can you play keys this week well the bass player had just gotten this gig with this guy jeremy camp Mm -hmm. and he was like you know big shot they just played the rhyming and uh, and you know so I'm playing keys and my buddy Mike was like oh, I didn't know you play keyboards like I'm playing bass with this guy and we we might be looking for a keyboard player total luck all what just are the to me. you know what I mean like like and that ended up being my gig that started started the whole like kind of music for a living situation
0: but the idea of the whole thing is that you're it's luck but you from ha- putting your hat totally. putting your hat in all the you, time
1: yeah you gotta be you gotta show up uh-huh. you know I get I get emails from folks or whatever like there it's like i'm in paducah kentucky and like i'm a great drummer and you know please give me a gig i want to get on the road it's like okay guy Uh from paducah that's (laughs) really a place by the way oh man um and you know all right fella like what does it take like get out of paducah like go to where music is happening you know go to new york go to la go to portland go to austin go to Mm -hmm. seattle go to Chicago. Nashville. That's the other place. Yeah. Oh yeah, that other uh, yeah. where? Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> um I was thinking, I was like no, I've left one out. You know, like like show up. Mm-hmm. Just just show up and don't be a dick. Yeah. That's all it takes. Showing up know? and not being a dick. And like yeah. and like but you tell people this, like, and sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't. Like I wish like I was really curious when I was a kid, like growing up and being in Nashville and like be like, Hey, you know, session guy that I could get the opportunity to work with randomly, like I really want to do what you're doing and like would literally ask these dudes like like what can I be doing better like do you like how my drums sound or you know the playing or the thing or this or that and they just slap you on the back and be like oh you're doing great man keep it up when I'm like now it's like if somebody asks me like like somebody's like a younger dude or like you know whatever asks me like I'm like well you're doing fine but you know I'll always like say give them something yeah like we'll speak my mind and Sometimes they get offended because they don't really want to hear it, and I don't care. Yeah. Well, I, don't if they care, wa- I don't care if I offend you. Like, if Don't I, ask it if you don't want to hear it, If I can it, right? say I, – I just wish these dudes would have been more honest and like, straight up with me. Yeah.
0: Well, what would you wish they would have told you back then?
1: I wish they would have said, uh, your time kind of sucks. Huh. Um, you know, like, your drums are really you know, kind of cheesy sounding. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had, I had new, shiny new gear um, mm-hmm. when I first moved to Nashville. There was just – I had a rack system. Like – splash cymbals like yeah. it was that vibe it was it was th- i mean or lack their lack vibe no um you know and like had to learn quickly by like getting fired off of stuff and not really knowing the reason but then seeing the drummer that came in after me and be like oh that guy's got a vintage rogers kit oh,
0: right? yeah. it doesn't take him an hour and a half to set no, up his tom and
1: he doesn't have any he doesn't really have any chops but it feels really cool like maybe i should start listening to music like that you know yeah. maybe i should start listening to the band you yeah. know and freaking tom Leave petty like it, yeah. yeah and like i mean i never i never really got exposed to that stuff um i played with this guy in nashville for a while it was his drummer and it was his record that i got i they hired me to play drums and and i just wasn't cutting it you know i wasn't mm-hmm. i wasn't the guy for this record he was wanting to make a van morrison record and i i just didn't i didn't have my right for on that, that beat yeah. yeah yeah and and it it just it was wrong for the thing and and I, you know, but I got fired. My got my feelings hurt, but he's like, Oh, we're going to keep you on to play keyboards. Yeah. So I ended up playing keyboards all over this record and, and percussion and stuff. And they brought in this drummer. And you were
0: able to be there to see what I was your in the studio
1: was. watching the guy replace me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like never was, happened. So that's was, great. It was brutal. I, I was bet, so, bet. I was so pissed, but like looking back at it, I'm like, man, if I hadn't gotten fired and then seen this guy come in, like it totally changed my approach to music, really? you know, by watching, um, watching this dude play. um, uh, I'm trying, trying to remember what the drummer was. He played for Josh Rouse. Uh, he plays CNC drums. His brother is in Guster. Man, I'm terrible. Hey. Uh, Mark Pisapia is yeah. his name. Yeah, we'll great. just throw that in. Just, just yeah, yeah. It. oh, this drummer. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, great drummer. And you know, like, and he wasn't a chops guy. He was a total like feel guy. And and the feel was ridiculous. And he was nailing these takes. Mm-hmm. And was such a nice dude. Like so like like ch- laid back and whatever. Slam. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's what needs to, that's where I need to go. And Mm -hmm. I bought a Rogers kit, you know, I bought a Rogers kit off of Greg Morrow, another session guy in Nashville and, and it's still my favorite drum kit. It's the same drum kit we used on, on your, those indigo blue ones. Yeah. Yeah. Your last record, the blue onyx kit. Um, it's like, it's my, you know, if there's one thing that I could save, you know, in a fire. Yeah pictures well that. it's screw pictures man <laughs> whatever what do i have to show for it 32 and single Aww. you know uh i don't know in my head uh, uh. uh but you know i would grab you know my grandfather's accordion of uh-huh. course and then my blue i would be like carrying all this <laughs> stuff um uh look like the jerk
0: mm-hmm. i don't good. need this i need this yeah,
1: yeah. you know so uh so I don't know, like that was that was like a big turning point, natural selection or whatever. Like it weeds out. Is that the right term that I'm looking for? Natural um, selection. Yeah, yeah. Like like it weeds out. Like eventually people get it mm-hmm. and stop. They're like, oh, I see. Oh,
0: I have to ingratiate myself to people. I have like,
1: to be kind human. No, I'm saying like the people around these folks. Like, oh yeah. How many opportunities do you get? How many times are you gonna burn somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, like how many how many opportunities? Do you so only so many bridges before? you can burn before you turn totally. yourself into an island. Yeah, totally. So it's. You know, I think that those those things naturally kind of like I'm lucky enough to be here and to be part of a really great community of, you know, we talk about the hotel cafe. Like a lot of the projects I work on are artists that are, you know, call that place home. You mm-hmm. know, I call it home. Uh, I call it Cheers more yeah, than anything. Exactly. But it's you know, it's like it's an amazing place to have like a home base, and it's changed a lot, and um, and you know, because those things have to change. You mm-hmm. know, as as musicians develop and as their careers move on, like it, they, it has to change and it has to change shapes to survive. Um, and I, and I see that as, a, as, a, as something for all of us, you know, that like we all have to like keep developing. I just get bored. Like if I use the same musicians on a record, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, I don't want to use the same, there may be a little bit of an overlap, but like, you know, I did, well, this is a good example. Like I did Garrison stars record mm-hmm. and, in your record, um, yeah. kill the past. like, we did those records back to back and there was even some overlap. I think we did your record first Mm -hmm. and Brian cook mixed it And Garrison. We were talking about mixers and your mixes were coming in and, and, uh, um, Garrison, who's one of my closest friends, like she's just such a riot. Your mixes started coming in from Brian cook. who's a fantastic mixer. And it was the first record that he and I had worked on. We had done a single with Carrie brothers. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we did your record and, uh, and we had been talking about mixers for Garrison's record. This is not the point, but it's funny. And she was like, "Oh hell, Glassy. Well, why don't we just use this Brian guy? He sounds real good." Like uh-huh. it was like, "Okay, yeah, great. That sounds great." And Brian ended up mixing her stuff. And it, but it wasn't the, it wasn't necessarily the plan, you know, mm-hmm. because like we use different musicians on your record, you know, we use mm-hmm. Jerry Rowe and Johnny Flower, and, mm-hmm. and I think Josh Jenna, who was the one dude besides myself that was the carryover, was the kind of the carryover, you know, and for her record. But we used like Meg Toohey and Aaron Redfield play drums on half the record, and um you know uh the there... eagle rock choir yeah, the, yeah yeah the eagle rock choir that whole th- like that whole thing which i think any listen to those two records and brian cook mixed both of them so they have kind of a common thread like tonally but but creatively they're they stand you know i don't know i just don't want to make the same record twice mm-hmm. you know yeah and maybe that's bad for like your brand or whatever like there's some people like you go like oh that sounds like a ethan john's record or mm-hmm. that sounds like a Blah blah blah, like because he uses Jay Bellarose or he uses this guy or uses you know, and uses them on everything and because and they have a great like working relationship. And I, I, I mean, I think there's something like it's bad for your brand when people can't go like I don't know who produced this, but it sounds really cool. And then they have to look at the liner notes, which yeah. they don't have. Yeah, because cause liner they don't notes make those don't anymore. exist. Yeah, it's like we're all screwed. Uh, uh, but in in that way, like it's yeah. just, it's just really hard to like make people aware. Yeah. Unless unless the artist, and you and I talked about this. Unless the artist is like conscious about like talking about the team at some point, whether it's like an outlet, you know, yeah. for 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 media or a blog thing or making sure that like liner notes are available on the website and all that stuff. Especially when when people are doing favors for people, you know, or or like doing it on spec or doing it like as like a i you know i i played your gig so you can come in and do this thing for me and oh, yeah. it's great everybody wins you know it's like when stuff like that's going down like you just like being like super aware of of you know the value of people's time but also you know that like our reputation is is so important mm-hmm. you know like that's all you've got yeah is is that thing and and if people don't know about the great experience that someone had working with you and they don't know about the record that you made because <laughs> like then it then it's like okay well what what at what point do what you do as a, as an artist as a producer for, for myself at least like what's growing your business yeah, and what's what's changing shape and for me it's been it's been it's been writing like these last couple of years mm-hmm. like and you and i've written a lot of songs together yeah, you
0: and i wrote a lot of uh, songs from the last record yeah. actually some of the best songs were co-writes because i wasn't so in my head i uh-huh. had you new sensibilities man Oh, it's great oh bad bad no big um, deal bad. so you've been writing a lot but then you've yeah. also been uh you've also been expanding out in different in into different genres even within the subgenre. i i think that that's interesting is what you're doing is you're you're throwing yourself a bit into electronica because it's interesting you yeah and i think that one funny thing that you, you said that you want to be able to have something you go like ah that's an ethan johns track or that's a, a crystal allergy track or that's a this a that's a that mm. um i think that what ha- what happens is if you do, if it genuinely interests you and you you do the most honest thing from yourself with whatever tool it is whatever it may be a juno or a glockenspiel or you know Please no more clock and mm. but uh, but uh, if you do that, I think it's gotta
1: have a signature of you.
0: You know, it it just naturally has that thumbprint because you know just came through the prism of your you know mind.
1: Yeah, but it's not necessarily because because I hired a certain musician. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's all most. I, what I hope that that my goal is that each record sounds like the artist and it reflects their personality and their mm. their thing. Um. But what's what's always going to show through is like my my ear for arranging, yeah. Um, my ear for like track production and the way that I treat drums, for example, like as a drummer, like the way that I re- like to record drums mm-hmm. and the way that I like to. I, I I'm really big. I'm really into committing to a sound, you know, um, com- and not that- compressing and eqing and using particular microphones to do certain jobs like going into into recording and not just being like okay we got to keep everything clean Mm -hmm. so that we can do this the mixer can do this later later yeah it's like i think that's i think that's like more the signature than having this wrecking crew or whatever Mm -hmm. you know my guys that play on on, plan plan everything you know um and i love i love working with drummers like i i would prefer to have jerry Rowe, like when our friend jerry was living here in la yeah he played on a ton of stuff for me and some of it was you know some some of them were they were all fun records they were all like really fun projects um but like jerry would come in and, and just like destroy it and i would play bass you know yeah like having that one other person in there and their voice like just first off makes the whole idea of like wow i'm not alone in this thing There's a lot of times you work with artists, and you're like, okay, I'm working, I'm working, and this is sounding good to me, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, And you turn around, and they're sitting on the couch, and they're on their BlackBerry. or Who has Blackberries? I'm sorry. Their phone. Yeah. I'm 67. They're hula hoops, (laughs) AM radio. And they're sitting there with their (laughs) yo-yos. Jeez. Um, uh, And, you know, they're sitting there, and I'm like, so you dig this thing, like this drum pattern thing that I'm kind of like, I know it's a little little different, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And they're like, what? yeah oh no you know it's like yeah are you, what is, this is your record uh-huh. like give me something so you're you're flying solo on these records yeah. you know like with some of them with certain artists yeah with some people you know some and then some people want to be like super involved and like like be like really like mega like micromanagey, which is which can be really cool too, you know, because that's where like, it's kind of frustrating or it can be, but also like a lot of these great ideas come out of that. Like, like, Oh, that's a terrible idea. Joe songwriter. Mm -hmm. Like, why would we ever try that? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to flatter you and and do this thing. And then, man, I sound like such an asshole right now, Hmm. but um, you know, I'm going to, we're going to do, okay. Yeah. We'll give it a shot. Like Uh you you want, you really want to do this thing. Like you want to play a slide guitar solo like and then it becomes like you know you you try those things and a lot of times it is terrible yeah but there's those one or two times
2: where you go accidents yeah that's the thing Uh
1: that's the thing and i'm glad you know i've heard a lot of stories from artists who've worked with other people or whatever and they're like you know they worked with this producer and we, I wanted to just try this, you know, I wanted the drummer to, like, try this thing and, like, do, like, a, like, more of, like, a different feel or change the song, and the producer said, no, that's a terrible idea, and they just never did it, you uh-huh. know what I mean, and then the artist is always, the, the person writing the song or making the record, paying the bill, Yeah, is always wondering in their head if that, if that would have made their song that much better that much better you I know think what I you mean? have
0: to allow yourself that you have to be able to like, totally explore do. in the wilderness you, know, you, you totally to, do you, I mean literally what you're doing is you get like Mary Poppins carpet bag when you're doing creative stuff like that half yeah. the time you get a fair idea what's going on right. but when you're building the structure you're, putting, you're, putting, you're you know, putting the bones up but when you're actually getting into the minutia and that kind of thing yeah. and you're reaching down and just trying to feel whatever you can get when you're pulling out Whatever you never know what's gonna come up with that kind of thing. Right. But one great thing about that, is especially because you've been moving into the more creative actual the inception of the idea by songwriting. I mean, like I'm sure that that reasoning was twofold. One, like, hey, um, publishing is a lot of money, and it would be nice to do that. And uh, a lot of people are bringing me garbage. I would like my hand in helping make that garbage a little less garbagey. Sure. And but then also the other half of it was probably. I mean, did you have a moment where you went like? I I want a voice in from the very beginning. I don't want to have to polish something. I want to have you know a direction in the first place with it.
1: Um, I think well, it, it certainly came from um, I was well, I was working with a manager. I guess I was writing songs before working with her, but she really kind of pushed me and being like catalog and library and like this and that and publishing deal and blah blah blah. like, ah, that's, uh, okay. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love making records. I don't care about singles. I don't care about like writing the next Demi Lovato song. Although like those guys do that and it's great. Mm -hmm. They're, they're really good at that thing. You know, maybe someday. Um, but you know, I love, I got into, I, I grew up listening to records from top to bottom. the, Mm -hmm. The whole concept of like a track order, you know? Um, and just intentionally listening to music and, uh, you know, like that's why I wanted to start doing this in the first place. So the idea of doing like library music or, or single things or like, you know, that whole, that whole concept, you know, it's a single driven market. Is it whatever? Mm. I think, I think people still buy records personally. Yeah. Um, at least I do Yeah. Like, as a dinosaur. Yeah, you do. Um, you
0: get the T-Rex <laughs> arms, you reach into your wallet and dust comes out and an early, like 1990s, $20 bill comes yeah. out with yeah. Jefferson as an even older man. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, uh oh, song ready. So yeah. <laughs> Jeez, just quantum lapped into my body. <laughs> um Thanks, Jameson. working mm-hmm. uh, its magic <laughs> through your system. Uh but yes, I mean the song ready thing, like I started doing it and I was kind of nervous. Like, and there was a cool thing when I started when I started like really doing co writes. I didn't really write much in Nashville. Um, my pr- produ- production partner at the time had a big publishing deal and he was like the writer you know mm-hmm. and I was like the guy who never didn't write because that's what people do in Nashville well at least you know it's like you're this guy this is your thing but being out here like everybody's so willing and that was going back to the LA thing everybody's so willing to like collaborate and be part of like each other's stuff mm-hmm. you know and And everybody wants to sing on everybody's record and everybody wants to like go and like write songs like, you know, you can write with anybody. Like Mm -hmm. people are so cool to like if they've got time and they dig like your whole like as a dude or person, you know, they'll they'll put the time in and give it a shot. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I was like kind of kind of hesitant going into that stuff. But I think writing with you, like writing with your friends and writing with people that you already have a connection with, like for for me as a dude who's mostly a producer and didn't start writing till later I was like, you know, like wow, I can actually have good lyrical ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I can kind of steer this this writing ship around. And since I started doing all that stuff, um you know, it'll it's you write with random people and then you write a really great song. And mm-hmm. then you make a really great demo for that really great song. And then that really great demo turns into a, a thing that gets put in for licensing or or turns into like I really enjoy this demo let's make let's make a record part of the reason that I can I can continue to do it and, mm-hmm. and it's and make a living at it um but it's and it's good it's all it's all fun stuff but you know I'm I spend so much of my time and have spent for, for years so much of my time on my own in front of a computer yeah and that's not music like you man it's it, it is in some way but like it's a lot of like it's a lot of pro tools and it's a lot of editing or, you know, consolidating tracks or copying vocals or doing all these things. Like, like they're all necessary evils, but, but that's not, it's not the creative, it's not the thing I love. It's not the creative process. It's not Mm -hmm. the process of actually recording and you're by yourself and you're listening back to this thing. like, is it, is it bad? Is it good? Like, what is it? Like, is this the best idea? Is there something else? You know? Um, and, uh, you know going through the whole like um what's the Brianino uh uh oblique strategies yes. you know which is yes. amazing like so good like the app is incredible like you just you know, like swipe the next mm-hmm. card you know it's like like trying to like be inspired by something like this i'm i'm back at that place you know where it's like it's like i'm i miss i miss being around making music with other people Yeah, i miss it you know well
0: if you could if if i could build you a world you know minecraft style sims sims world yeah, yeah. Say, for example, you had anything and everything at your disposal, like like the bounds of reality have been bent so that you can change them to however you want. What would your ideal studio look like and what would the ideal record-making environment look like? Populate it with whoever you want. You can pay them however much they're deserved or whatever it is. What would your record, your most ideal record, be like? um start
1: to finish start to finish like making a record
0: making a record making Uh, a record in the most ideal situation
1: got it well first we would be in king's landing oh (laughs) Uh, (laughs) sorry um you know i i love i love the idea of of location recording you know i love the idea of like going somewhere and getting you and the artist and Mm -hmm. out like out of out of you know Say it's a person, like, we don't even need to say an artist, like, I don't think, I can say it's somebody that we really dig with, like, really great songs that, mm-hmm. like, maybe I've written, you know, maybe as, as, like, a, we've collaborated on the songs, we're going into it, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, if you're talking about the process, like, I, I think that, like, being in a studio situation, being in a, in a, surrounding, like, you know, when we made your record, for example, mm-hmm. I had an all-star crew of royal badasses, yeah our friend, um uh clay blair had just opened up boulevard recording this was the first session that ever happened at his place he had a ton of extra like like early on he had a bunch of analog tape that he Mm -hmm. had found in the studio when he moved in had a great tape machine and so it was kind we were kind of the the i almost said hamsters guinea pigs that's right yeah we were the guinea pigs for this thing you know and we had like three days to make this record happen yeah and like it was the first time for me that like i played on a good portion of the record but we tracked live and I had a bass player, a yeah. great bass player, Johnny Flower. I had a, a, an amazing drummer in Jerry Rowe. Mm-hmm. I think the first day I tracked Josh Dunahoo and I tracked and we did Call the Cops, Trice Have Circles. There was like three or four tunes that we did yeah. the first day. And it, and it was great because there was no pressure, there was no other players in mm-hmm. studio. It was just the three of us or four of us, I guess. And uh and got these got these tracks and like it was like, okay, this is really cool. And it was really fun because I'm used to producing and like playing, you know, playing and then going back and listening to it. And like, okay, that's great. You know, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to the next song. We got the take. Mm-hmm. The next day, it was like the first experience where I'm like sitting behind the console, you yeah. know, like I'm like literally like, like wedding coordinating, you know, yeah. like, like you get on the talk back and be like, oh, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's do this. Let's change that. And it's just such a different like I never get to do that because of the nature of like how records are made and how I have to make records at least for, you know, for myself. Um, and, and, you know, it was just such a cool experience and it doesn't happen enough. So mm. honestly, like the ideal situation is like we have this all-star team of like fantastic musicians. I've got two different drummers at my disposal, so you can get your dudes that like you really dig their thing, you mm. know, and two good, different guitar players that'll do totally different things, you know, like Benji Lysight uh or like, you know, Brandon Walters and like having those two guys who have very different feels and approaches to their their instrument, but just do what they do so well, and they're so committed to their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just raises the bar for, for everyone, you know, yeah. um, including the artist, like the person making the record. Like, you go, oh shit, like I, I really have to show up as yeah. the artist because these dudes are killing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They, they're destroying this stuff.
0: And you have to be, you have to earn the. Earn the the title of actually being the represent representative of right. their art because totally. they're bringing
1: their art to totally. yours, you know, totally and assisting in that. And I have to, I, I mean, I have to say, not just because you're because you're sitting here, but like that the process of making that record, um, was 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 like such a unique experience and still is for me, like such a cool such a cool thing, and to get so many great singers to sing on it and so many people to like just show up and be amazing you know i mean it was a great thing that we had an amazing budget yeah that's that's all that all that indian food um (laughs) (laughs) and like packing a bunch of dudes into a studio and and ordering yeah giving them indian food (laughs) golly it's like like,
0: oh it's like putting a match inside of a gasoline
1: can (laughs) yeah do we have some we have some beef jerky we can hand out too right um but, yeah, I mean, you know, like, that that whole process is, like, it doesn't happen enough. There's not enough music being made. And this, is, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Like, there's not enough music being made by two people at the same time. Yeah. Or multiples of people at the mm-hmm. same time. That's stuff for me that, like, really gets you know gets me going gets like keeps me really loving this this whole thing you know Mm -hmm. um i don't know what else i could do i could probably back groceries i guess he would be terrible the studio where i'm at now it's like it's in this house and in the hills like in highland park here great space and and i remember like first day of summer and the neighbors have a pool (laughs) and i think i told you this like the neighbors the neighbors have a pool and they've got like i think the one son is like 13 and he's got his little roly-poly friend with him and (laughs) And they're, they're always like, just like jerking around, like, you know, throwing the basketball at the dog kind of Um. thing. Like just being, being idiots. Like awesome. Great. And, but I'm like, I'm like working on like comping a vocal one day. I'm like really trying to focus. And all of a sudden you hear like splashing and screaming. I'm like, what is this? And I like stand up. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like standing in the window with like my arms, like you know, like hitched frost, on your hips on my hips, mm. which I stand that way unknowingly, anyways. Like it's a freaking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. Um, but, but you know, I'm like looking at these kids, like just like just giving them the, the just, just just see You're them. the what are you? You're ruining my life. Uh, I wish I could steal and your. I have this like this like moment of realization, like I'm. They're having the best – this is the best. Like, I want to think about when I was their age. Like, that's the best time ever. Yeah. Like, didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, all I wanted to do was, like, you know, like, see a boob. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> hang out with my buddies and talk about basketball yeah, cards. Eat, you know, like, it's like – pizza that's rolls. That's all, yeah. all I cared about. You know, what day the Schwanz man was coming. <laughs> like, it was terrible. Well, I was such a fat kid. Um <laughs> But you know like I'm just standing there and just like just like just sending so much hate <laughs> to these kids having the time of their life they don't even know it like nothing is screwed oh, up no. they don't pay taxes <laughs> You know, like like no one has broken their Every, hearts.
0: The world is open to this. It's them. totally
1: open. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And they're doing the shit out of it. <laughs> you know? Like and you're just And there, I'm sitting there hating like, like the I, Grinch on top of a yeah, hill. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I'm like worse than the Grinch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, it's awful. It wasn't that long. I didn't stand there. I wasn't like creeping, you uh-huh. know. But like I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. Like these kids are like I'm such a like jackass and a smile came over my face like this is life like these kids are doing life and they're mm-hmm. doing it really really well and I like there's something about what I'm doing right now that is not life you know yeah. it's not like I'm I'm not getting I'm not getting out enough I'm not like mm-hmm. seeing my friends enough I'm not like exposing myself to like, you know, you're not the, playing music the at the same time. Stuff. I'm not playing music at the same time. I'm not collaborating. I'm not, I, you know, I was like, I've been in LA for six years and I've five years and I've never been to the beach. You mm-hmm. know, like I've told you this, like it was like a big thing on Facebook. Like the day I bought swim trunks, you know, like <laughs> it was amazing.
0: Like well, So what are you working on right now?
1: I know you had John in, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually doing the roofing Carpenters record. We're starting that tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be super cool. We've done, we've done a little bit of writing for that and started it, like a year and a half ago did two songs and he uh he made a film that you were in like a yeah. short film uh format kind of thing. That's going to be great. Uh he's releasing it in in uh in conjunction with a with a pledge campaign. I I don't really have any aspirations to be be an artist but you know, it's like I've got a lot of songs and either songs that I haven't found homes or are just, you know, like kind of half finished and so I don't know. I think, I think that's, that's part of a, part of a thing, um, part of a project, but you know, if it's just like you start digging in with that stuff and writing for it. And then a record comes up and you go, Oh shoot. Well, mm-hmm. I was going to write all this month for this thing, but I really have to like, you know, pay mm-hmm. the bills or really, you know, whatever. Like yeah. I need to make this record happen. I need to like continue to do that because that's always going to be, that's always going to be my focus. You yeah. know, I don't see myself like doing something, like touring as a, yeah. you know, as a, you know, as an artist. And yeah. Just the idea of, you know, having to deal with a Facebook page and <laughs> artist me. data and reverberation. Uh, trust me, yeah. And you know, my friends to account. Yeah. And you know, stylists yeah. and you know, freaking business managers, and limos and hookers and blow yeah so many and hookers all the and things blow. that artists have to deal with you know so many
0: can't. so many hookers and blow you know <laughs> apparently we all we all live like uh we, we work at the
1: rainbow room yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well dude thank you for coming in man
1: thank you for having me awesome
2: all right yeah.
0: That guy is dedicated to music. You cannot say that that is not true. I love that kid. Keep sending me emails. Keep writing in for the show. Send me suggestions on people we're going to have. Next week, we've got some great people coming up. I don't want to spoil it for you. I'll be sending an email out, letting y'all know, some tweets. Follow me on Twitter. Do it to it. Right now, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get nestled in my bed. It's fall. I'm gonna smell the crisp air, and I'm gonna read my book, and I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning, and I'm gonna eat enough pumpkin pie spice latte to kill a small Spartan army. You all have a wonderful week. Continue to spread the word about Shark Brain. Continue to delve into the depths of yourself, mining for those diamonds. Your work is not in vain. Shark Brain.